Luke chapter 2 and uh, reading from verse 41. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Remember the King James Version of that verse. Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business. I love that. Were, sorry, yes, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and with man. And this is God's word. Well, again, uh, just a wonderful good morning and welcome to you all. It's great to have you here. Uh, if you're visiting with us uh, this morning for the first time, this year at Erinner Baptist, where our theme is fixed on Jesus, and the author to the Hebrews likens faith to a race, a race of perseverance, and he encourages his readers to fix their eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter, meaning that faith has its origin and its end point, if you like, in the person of Jesus. And so we've decided to spend an entire year focusing on the person of Christ. And each term we're considering a different aspect to the life and ministry of Jesus. This term, our, our term or our series is called The Manhood of Jesus. And we're looking at the humanity of Christ. Uh, Jesus was fully man. He was also fully God, and next term we'll look at the majesty of Jesus. But today we're part of our series is looking at the humanity of Jesus, and I kid you not, this series and this, in fact, Bible passage was selected out well before we knew that we'd be inducting Jack on this day. Um, I want you to cast your memory back, if you can, to when you were 12. What was important for you at the age of 12? What was happening in your world? at that time. Uh, back in 1992, when I was 12, Paul Keating was Prime Minister. The average price of fuel for that year was 68.4 cents, and a modest three-bedroom home in a capital city in Australia cost a little over $100,000. But I didn't care about any of that. It meant nothing to me. I was a young boy learning to play the flute. Uh, I had uh, two tapes, John Farnham's Chain Reaction and Petra on Fire, and those tapes were the soundtrack of my life. Uh, I loved reading Tintin and Asterix comic books, but my real passion was cricket. 
I was a fast bowler, an opening bowler, and Merv Hughes was my absolute idol. I loved Merv and uh, everything about cricket. And in 92, when I was 12 years old, it was the World Cup. It was a great time to be alive um, in Australia as a 12-year-old boy. And just about every 12-year-old boy that I knew of, at least like myself, had a dream to one day play for the Australian cricket team. And uh, that's what life was about for me at 12. But also, significantly, 12 was the age when I started to read the Bible for myself. I had a very, I grew up in a Christian family, but I had a, a scripture teacher um, who really had a wonderful sense of love for Jesus and a real enthusiasm, and she really encouraged me. She gave me some tapes to listen to and, and some Bible studies that I could do, and I guess I started to enter into my own journey of faith as a young person. And it's such a significant age, isn't it? Twelve, on the cusp of becoming a teenager, uh, the, that sort of entryway into the passage of adolescence where, as we mentioned earlier, we come out a young adult with our character largely shaped and formed um, through these turbulent years. Isn't it interesting for us to consider that Jesus was once 12? I think it adds so much texture to the humanity of Christ when we think of him as a young person. You know, when we think of Jesus and we relate to Jesus, we tend to relate to him as a 30-year-old man that we encounter in the Scriptures. And that's understandable. But he didn't just arrive here on earth as 30. He actually grew up and he spent 30 years as a young person, as a teenager, as an adolescent, as a young adult. And, and there's much that we can learn from this period in Jesus' life. There are some hints that this text offers us about what life was like for Jesus at 12. And I'm excited to share those with you this morning. What can we learn about the manhood or the humanity of Jesus from Luke 2, 41 to 52? And then what, what might there be uh, for Jack today from this passage of Scripture? Let's just walk through it as we often do and just try and unpack uh, some of the details of, of today's passage. Luke 2, 41 and 42. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. It says here that every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. The law required that the man go to the festival and not the entire family. And what we see here is that the whole family went, both Jesus' mum and Jesus' dad, and we know about Mary from Luke's earlier account, what an incredible, humble and godly woman she was. You know, Jesus was raised in a family where faith was central and prioritised. Jesus was raised in a family where things of God mattered and were highly valued. And today, Jack and Claire sit here with us uh, largely because they were nurtured in, in families of faith. And I want to take a moment to honour Keith and Ruth and Shane and Leanne for the way you have raised these two beautiful people who sit here before us today. The love and the nurturing of a Christian family cannot be understated. And many of us here today also experience that same blessing. And it is a gift 
that we should never take for granted. It's not everyone's experience. And I'm sure for those who haven't received that experience, you would say, wow, I wish I had that experience myself. Well, Jesus, the Son of God, had that very experience himself. Now, the festival of the Passover was the most significant of all the Jewish, of all the Jewish feasts. The Passover celebrated um, the Israelites exiting Egypt. On, and, and on that night before they left, the Israelites marked the doorposts of their doors with the, lamb, with the blood of a lamb. And that's what this festival celebrated. God um, passing over them before they escaped, before they went into the desert. How amazing that Jesus at this stage in his life was participating in a festival that would foreshadow the cross, where Jesus' own blood would become the covering for all who place their faith in him. The festival would last for a week. It was significant. It was the biggest affair in the life of of a Jewish person. So they went there and it was about 150 kilometers in distance, so it was a three-day journey by foot, a huge journey for a family or a community to undertake. It says here now Luke tells us the age of Jesus. And it's significant because for a a Jewish boy, uh, 12 is a very significant year. When you are 12 as a Jewish boy, you are in a sense in your HSC year because uh, theologically speaking and spiritually speaking, uh, when a, a Jewish boy became 13, all of a sudden he is now responsible before God as a person in his own right. Before that time, he is under the blessing or the responsibility of his parents. For a girl, it was 12. For a boy, it was 13. Now, this wasn't around when Jesus was born, but you would probably be familiar with the bar mitzvah or the bat mitzvah. And what that means is, or bar mitzvah is son, or bat is daughter, um, of mitzvah means commandment. So it's, in a sense, a coming of age where the person becomes... um, a son or a daughter under the commandment, under the law themselves. And we see that this, this practice was already taking place in Jesus' time. It's a very significant time in the life of Jesus. Verse 43, After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day, Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now it was common, especially with these long three-day journeys, that um, communities of people, often families and maybe extended groups of, of families and friends, would travel together. They would travel together because it made sense, practically speaking, but they would also travel together because uh, there was safety in numbers. And so um, it was important that this happened. And many scholars suggest that uh, the women and the children actually were to the front of the group and the men were at the back kind of guiding. Um, So that may or may not have been the case. But at any rate, given the size of the group that was traveling, it makes sense uh, that Jesus could have been uh, mixed up as, or Jesus could have been lost in that sense uh, from his parents' perspective. 
They, they travelled in what was called a caravan, and uh, it's it, not this type of a caravan that uh, they travelled in. It, it, the caravan refers to this. It's like this group. And you, when you consider a large group of people travelling, you can understand that for the first day... Um, one parent may have thought that Jesus was with them and another parent may have thought that Jesus was with them. We do know from scriptures that Jesus had four brothers and a sister. Uh, He knew what it was all about to be part of a family. And Jesus was the eldest and he was 12. So uh, mum and dad could have very well been occupied with younger children, um, as, as we well know about. It's, I guess also when you think about it, this passage, and we often, we often overread this as, uh, as we often do in Scripture, but this was a very distressing moment for the parents of Jesus. Like if you're a parent, or if you were a parent, or you probably still are, but um, just got older kids, right? I was having that conversation earlier today. Uh, but for your child to be missing is a very, very stressful thing. Uh, If you've been in a shopping centre, perhaps, and you've experienced that, even for a short period of time, it's an awful feeling, isn't it, when your child is missing? And the language that Luke uses here is that Mary and Joseph were distressed. Like, this was a really distressing, stressful, anxious time for them. Now, they'd already travelled a day, right? And they realised at the end of the day that he wasn't there. And they would not travel at night. That would have been a very sleepless night. (laughs) They would have set out very early the next morning and spent another entire day travelling to Jerusalem. And then when they arrived there, they spent a day searching for Jesus. So that's why after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. We see that distressing uh, mother. And um, it's interesting with Jesus' response that we'll consider it in a moment because I think that we, we really get a glimpse of the humanity of Jesus here. Jesus says, why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Let me just backtrack a little bit. At the Passover festival... The, the greatest rabbis from all the land would come and they would teach and they would debate and they would talk about the things of God. They would talk about the scriptures. The temple was the central place. The temple in Jerusalem was the central place of worship. It is the place where the presence of God was found and experienced. The temple of God was the place where God was worshipped. The temple uh, of God was the place where God was taught and learned about, where the scriptures were opened. The rabbis who were present in the temple at the Passover feast would have been um, some of the greatest theologians, some of the greatest pastors and thinkers of that time. You know, for Jesus, I can understand as a pastor why he wanted to be there. 
Because at the time, uh, these would have been people, it would have been like being at a Hillsong conference or a global leadership summit, a gathering where great Christian minds and thinkers come together, a place where many, many Christians gather and worship God. And Jesus here was sitting and he was listening and he was learning and he was asking questions. And the response that he gives to Mary, why his mum, why were you searching for me? To me, there's very much a 12-year-old boy in this response. At this stage, Jesus really doesn't have any comprehension or understanding of what it's like for a mother when she's lost her son for a couple of days. You know, now Jesus here, what he does demonstrate is he has a very clear understanding of his identity and his mission at at this point of life as the Son of God. And when we think about Jesus and we think about the response that he gives and we think about him sitting amongst the teachers, we often think, well, of course, Jesus was God. Of course he was doing this. But, you know, Jesus was also fully man, which means that he was fully 12 at this point in his life. Mary and Joseph still had five other children. They may not have had five at this point in time, but Jesus, they were trying to, they were just like any normal set of parents, they were trying to negotiate family life. Now, they knew that Jesus was the son of God. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the virgin birth was, was, was critical in that. And they knew from the angelic witnesses that they had received that their son Jesus was different and, and, and unique, but he was also their son. And as far as the rest of the family goes, well, Jesus was the elder brother. And so they obviously had to have some kind of standard that they were trying to, to navigate their whole family with. I see here in Jesus that kind of uh, 12-year-old boy, Mum, I'm fine. What were you worried about? You can sort of hear that, can't you? But at the same time, there's a really, really clear sense of I am God's son, an understanding that God, his heavenly father, is his true father, and that spending time in the temple is a real priority for Jesus. In verse 51, and, but, verse 50, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. This text has plenty of room for questions. Jesus himself is asking questions. Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, have questions. They they don't understand what he's saying. What I love about this is questions are entirely compatible with faith. The two are not divorced It's okay. It's good to have questions. There are things that we will read in the scriptures that we don't understand. What we see in this text is an encouragement to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions as Jesus himself was, as he was growing in an understanding of the scriptures. But also what we see in his parents is, you know what, sometimes we just don't get it. Sometimes we don't understand. And Mary is very instructive in this situation. She treasured the questions in her heart. And when we have unanswered questions, don't 
Don't forget about them. Store them up in your heart. Meditate upon them. Continue to search the scriptures. Ask questions. And God in his goodness in his time, as he chooses, will allow those questions to have answers. Jesus goes back to his parents. He goes back with his parents uh, to Nazareth and presumably for the next 18 years continues to live a very normal life as a Jewish boy. Uh, He was obedient to them. He honoured his parents. Again, what we see here is that Jesus highly regarded the scriptures and the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament that Jesus read As Louise highlighted recently, one of the early commands is to honour your parents. And we see Jesus doing just that. During this period of time in the life of Jesus, between 12 and 30, we also know that Joseph died. We don't know when. But Jesus was the eldest, which means that he legally inherited all the rights of the father. And so Jesus most likely became the business owner Uh, Jesus became the primary provider for his family. Jesus was a brother. Jesus was potentially a business owner. Doesn't it add texture and richness to the life of Christ to consider that he might have been a business owner, that he was dealing with employees, employers, that he was dealing with customers, uh, that he was growing up in a family where he had brothers and, and a sister and understood the dynamics of what family life is all about. This is our Jesus. This is the Jesus that we follow. We don't just relate to him as the 30-year-old or 33-year-old man. Whatever stage of life we're at, we can relate to Jesus and he relates to us. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And finally, Verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. I've always loved this verse. It's such a positive and encouraging verse, isn't it? Jesus grew in a very balanced way. Uh, He was growing intellectually. He grew in wisdom. Now, we would often, again, think Jesus is God. Of course he grew in wisdom. Um, Of course he knew all things. Now, God is entirely omniscient omniscient, which means that he is all-knowing. You cannot improve on perfection. So in his omniscient state, Jesus actually could not grow in wisdom. So this statement here is actually about the humanity of Jesus. It's about the growing wisdom of the man, of the boy. And I find this so encouraging because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells within each one of us who've placed our trust in Jesus, which means that we too can grow in godly wisdom. He grew in wisdom because he committed himself to learning and to understanding the scriptures. He grew in stature, which means he grew physically. He, he grew like any normal 12 and 13-year-old boy grew. He knows what it is to experience the hormonal bodily changes of adolescence. And he grew in favor with God and with man because he lived an honorable and noble life. What do we learn about and what do we learn from Jesus in Luke 2 41 to 52? We learn that God was first in Jesus's life. He said, I have to be in my father's house, and the temple was the place of worship first and foremost, and the temple was the place of instruction and learning and God's word. And we see that for Jesus, 
nurturing that relationship with God first and foremost in his life was a priority from a very young age and would continue to remain a priority all his days on earth. Jesus personifies so much of the Old Testament scriptures. And we think about Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Jesus had read that scripture, that psalm. This was the cry of his heart. There was no better place for him to be than in the presence of his heavenly father. There's no better place for us to be than in the presence of our heavenly father. Jesus was a keen student of the word. As a 12-year-old Jewish boy, he was studying the scriptures. He was meditating upon the scriptures. Again, he personifies the flourishing, fruitful person described in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Picture Jesus meditating, delighting in his humanity in the word of God. How instructive for us. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. A beautiful image of a person whose life is oriented and centered around the word of God dwelling richly, deeply, passionately in their heart. We learn that Jesus sought wise company. He wanted to be around those who were learned, those who were experienced, those who perhaps could help him understand and those whom he could share with his passion and his desire and hunger for God. He sought wise company. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise... And become wise. Jesus would have read that verse himself, and here he is living it out. And as a result of putting God first, of being a keen student of the word, and spending time with wise company, Jesus grew. Jesus grew in every regard. And as he did, he earned the favor of God and of man. He enjoyed the favour of God and people. To Jack, what would I like to say to you this morning, Jack? Seek God first, brother. Be a wholehearted worshipper of him. Seek his presence passionately. Be a follower before a leader. You know, there is no greater calling for a pastor than to be called to be a pastor when you know that God has called you and set you apart to be a shepherd of his people. It is a wonderful blessing and a wonderful joy. But it is also a challenge. 
and there is so much to do. (laughs) There are events to be planned. There are programs to run. There are emails to respond to. There are meetings to attend. There are conflicts to deal with. Uh, There are so many things that you will and can do, and all of them are necessary and important. But make sure that you always prioritize your walk with God. We can only offer and give what we have. And the greatest gift we can give to those we lead and serve is a healthy, vibrant walk with God. Prioritize it, brother. Prioritize it. Learn the word, Jack. Study the word. We never stop being students of Scripture. That goes for all of us. We never stop being students of Scripture. Just like Jesus, we need to be people who listen, listen to what the Spirit is saying as we read the words that he illuminates to our heart and learn. We've got to come to the Scriptures as learners with the desire to learn. Like Jesus, we need to ask good questions and we need to ensure that before we go and teach others, we've spent time ourselves under the sound of God's word. Jesus was asking questions about God's word before he was teaching others God's word. Never be afraid to ask questions. And in fact, share those questions with us. Share those questions with young people. Because questions are so important. And in fact, questions can be a gateway and a door to helping people understand and discover the wisdom of God's word. Keep wise company. Surround yourself. You won't have any trouble doing this in this church. Surround yourself with wise and godly people. Mate, between home and Morling College and this church, you, you have got so many wonderful wise people in your court. You've got a great network of, of mates and other youth pastors on the coast. I just encourage you to, to keep good, godly company um, that will keep you rich and will keep you growing. Surround yourself with godly men and women, particularly in your formative years of ministry. This is so important, and we see this is what Jesus himself was doing. You know, and growth is a byproduct. You don't try to grow. You grow through worshipping God, through submitting yourself to him, to seeking his presence, to studying his word, asking questions and spending time with wise and godly people. And as you grow, brother, others will grow around you. I think it's so appropriate that you've got young guys sitting next to you. And I, I, just, I just love the idea, Jack, of you growing in Christ and young people all around you flourishing like trees that continue to produce fruit. What a wonderful, glorious vision for ministry. And as this happens, may you experience the favour of God and people in your life and ministry. God bless you, brother. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this very special occasion this morning. We thank you for this passage of Scripture that takes us right into the life of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. Thank you for what we've been able to learn this morning. And for this wonderful reminder that Jesus, yes, 
100% God, but also 100% human. Thank you, Jesus, that we can relate to you. And thank you that you can relate to us. Father, this morning's message is for Jack, but it is for all of us. May we all seek you first. May we all study your word. May we all, regardless of our age, seek good and wise counsel and company. And may we be people who continue to grow in every facet of life that we may experience the blessing and favour of you, God, and of people around us for the glory of your name, we pray. Amen.